got all excited about like saying like pick an end note, pick a quote, but then I like I don't know, I kind of petered out. Hi, Kate. Hi, buddy. welcome back. This is our third week. We hit a huge milestone this week. We did. We did. We have read twenty-four percent of the book, which is nearly twenty-five percent of the book, which would be a quarter of the book. <laughs> I do yeah. this a lot when I'm like swimming or something, because you you have some goal, and then like a lap before the end of the goal, you're like, I'm almost at the goal, but then I have to like tell myself like, no, you are not at the goal yet. You're almost at the goal. On the last lap? Or like, like I'll do this on the halfways. I'll be like, if I'm going to swim, let's say 20 laps, on the ninth lap, I'll be like, I'm almost halfway. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, chill out, swim one more lap, and then you're halfway. So I don't want to get too excited about 24%. Yeah, because it's a long book. Because there's a lot of book left. But we can be proud of that. Yeah. We're a quarter of the way through, nearly. We're doing it. We're doing it. So we've got new departments this week that you invented. <laughs> what is the what is the name of the new department? Oh, I forget. Thank, uh, thanks for the end note. Thanks for the end note. Thanks, and you can say it. Thanks for the end note, or thanks for the end note. Like <laughs> depending on how you feel about it. You have a cat attacking your book. <laughs> We started too soon. He didn't get it out of his system. You want to do the rundown? So we read a bunch of, <laughs> as usual, there's a lot going on. There are, we, we have continuing bits of some stories, some actual narrative seeming to develop, but then we also have just new characters new things still being introduced and still happening there was somebody introduced or no there was somebody mentioned that i <laughs> i wrote down wait do we know don gately i refuse to look it up <laughs> that is what i wrote down yeah. like i recognize the name but Who even in gately? three weeks it already is like who's that i feel like who is it I don't. You don't know. I don't know. He was. He came up this week in in the rundown of all of the units of Enfield Marine. Oh, he's the guy in charge. Of, <sighs> no, like in Enfield. I have no idea. Are you, are you telling me or asking? Me? Isn't I'm asking. Then I have no idea. Oh. I haven't looked it up because I refuse to. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm looking things up like how does how, whether things are real words. I'm looking things up as to whether places are real places or things that really happened or not. But well, I refuse to keep track of these 700 characters. <laughs> okay, so this week I started using a wiki, and you should too, because if you're doing all of that, it's all just in one place. So it goes section by section, no spoilers. And it'll say, here's a word that you, it'll even define words that it thinks that you wouldn't know. Okay. What's this wiki? I don't know. Okay. We'll look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. But I don't know if it would help you with the Don Gately question. There is a character thing, but I don't look at it because. Because you're so smart and you just know who all the characters are. No, I just didn't. You just don't <laughs> forget people. Um, oh, there's a lot to forget. Yeah. 
Um, it is, uh, even when you're just Googling, it's surprising how often I'll be Googling just a question that you wouldn't think, that you would think is just an ordinary question of the world or something, and that, like, first or second hit will be, well, this is mentioned in Infinite Jest. Yeah. I looked up Enfield, Massachusetts, this the supposed suburb of Boston. Right. And it's it's a former town somewhere else in the state. And in the Wikipedia entry, like the first entry after talking about how it was destroyed by a dam in 1885 or whatever, is the name Enfield, Massachusetts was used by David Foster Wallace in Infinite Jest. The for what is basically Brighton, Massachusetts. Yeah. So. Okay, that was in the wiki. See, that I, I could have just found that in the wiki. I guess I could. Did, it, did, did the wiki say that W-Y-Y-Y is actually in Syracuse, New York? I don't remember. Hmm. I don't know. Well, because I looked that up, too. <laughs> and... It did have a lot of um, words that were misspelled originally in the text, and then in later editions were corrected. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Not that I would have known that it was misspelled either way. I guess 1995 is, is that early for... Well, I'm trying to remember. It was definitely like Word 5.1 had spell check. I... Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm sure the wiki would also tell us if David Foster Wallace wrote this on 72 typewriters or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> There is a cat sitting on my book. All right, cut that out. Should I jump into the complaint corner? I think that's the department that is most of the podcast. It has been. Is the complaint yeah, corner. roses and thorns. You want to start with some thorns? Because I, I think I do actually have some roses this week. You do. Oh, that's awesome. Do you do you want to start with good stuff to to lay down a some spackle before we get to? Or no. do you want to end on positive? Is a cat attacking your headphones? Uh, yeah. He's... That's ridiculous. So our very first section, we, we start on page 169 with Pemulus, one of our tennis teens, going to buy some, or coming back from buying some drugs. Yes. And this is one of my complaints about this section, and, and this is a general complaint, is there's there are so many words used to describe so much about the place and the action and what what he's wearing and how he how he his mannerisms but what's left out is the actual action like it never said it talks about his behavior when he goes to buy drugs but it never says he has going to buy drugs yeah. and then and then there's actually, I, ha I actually went back like and reread several paragraphs to make sure I hadn't missed something. We're introduced to the notion that Michael Pemulus is, is out to buy drugs. And then the drug DMZ is introduced. And there's one giant paragraph or like three pages about, about DMZ. But it's, there is never a connecting sentence that says Michael Pemulus has bought the drug DMZ. It's simply Michael Pemulus is out and about to buy drugs. New paragraph. DMZ is a drug that blah, 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 blah. Big long section. Back to, you know, with no page break or anything, Michael Pemulus has returned to the tennis academy. And it's just, I mean, yes, we can put together that this is information that is related. 
But it takes one sentence to tell us the action. Michael Pemulus has bought the drug DMZ. DMZ is a drug, blah, 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 blah. Does he do that a lot? It feels like he does that. That one really stuck out to me, that we don't get in near the end, or actually, I guess, halfway through this section, we're introduced to the character of Joel Van Dyne, who we learn is Madame Psychosis, who we have already met. Right. And he's, David Foster Wallace is describing what she's wearing and describes her skirt in extraordinary detail. Yes. And then at the end of the paragraph, it says, people might even think she was, blah, blah, blah. people would think she was very engaging if you can get past the disconcerting veil. But he's never, the, that sentence is where the veil is introduced. That was another one where I had to flip back and I was like, has he said that she's wearing a veil? No, oh, because it sounds like he's like referencing it. It sounds like he's referencing it, but he has not mentioned it. Yeah, a lot of things are like that because you're like, it leaves you unsteady because it feels like you should know it and you don't. Yeah. Like, I'm already getting lost in, you know, if I read this book too late at night, I'm getting lost in sentences that are literally hundreds of words connected by commas. Very long sentences. (laughs) And so it feels like he's, I mean, it's either really, you know, it's the, the eternal question of this book is, is that sloppy writing, or is he trying to trick us? Do we trust him? Do we, and or do we even trust him to trick us? Yeah. Yeah, that's the question. <sighs> Deep sigh. Deep sigh. Um, so DMZ, we do, I mean, we do learn, like, 30 pages later, that he's, that he's, has bought DMZ. Um, but, like... Isn't it at that section, that first section, where he says, like, the turd has left the building or something, and it's the last line, they're speaking in code to each other over the phone? Yes. And so, would that be code, like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, that that's supposed to tell us that he... Well, that tells it, we, I mean, he says, please commit, Hal, he make Hal says, please commit a crime, which we know is... Pemulus's code for, like, a requirement to engage in a drug deal. But, and we know he has something tucked into his hat. So, I mean, we can put it together. But you're just like, he does not say it. He does not say it. (laughs) We learn what, um, how we are, there's a, a description of a video that Mario made, which is fine. Is that the one where it's Hal telling you how to play tennis? Yes. Okay. I mean, I, it's unclear whether this is the voice of a narrator of this video. Like, it's not a description of a video. It's written in the sort of second person. See yourself and your opponents. They will bring you to understand the game. Um, this is your body. They want you to know. You will have it with you always. Like, that's in second person. So I don't know if that's a narrator or or, or fabulous description of the uh, fabulous as in... Not as in great, but as in, fan, you know, fantastical uh, description description of the um, the video or something. We learn about we we learn a lot more about the Ennett House Drug and Alcohol Recovery House. Oh, I just got that sick. The redundant house. I have under. I can give you one of my words of the week. Okay. Formication. 
for medication. Yes. And it is deliberately introduced, I think, with, to, to be sort of a joke on fornication. But it's one of the one of the recovering drug addicts is talking about, oh, about fornication. And it's No, it's oh. well, here's the sentence. Did I experience, yes, some formication in detox? I did. And formication is the belief that you have insects crawling on you. <laughs> so that's a I mean that's a that makes sense in the context of drug recovery and drug addiction recovery and also is it's a reasonable joke on fornication. <laughs> so there's a bunch of stuff with uh So that was a rose. Yeah. Your first rose. And then we we get to we get to hear the Madame Psychosis's radio show. Which is uh, supposedly enthralling, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but is one of those. There's a there's a problem. I mean, uh, that it's sort of the it's the, the the best song in the world problem, right? In 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 books, in a movie, if you have like, it's it's a real problem. I think in movies is like you have somebody you want to make a movie about somebody who's supposedly a rock star. And they can sing a really, you know, and they can sing really well. And it's easy to write on paper. They're an amazing singer, and they they sing really well. But then if you make a movie, you got to actually get somebody who can sing really well mm-hmm. to play that part. And in in books, there's the problem. I guess in books, it's mostly like the greatest poet in the world problem. If you're you, know, you come up with a character who's supposedly an amazing poet, but now you have to write some of their poetry and show it. And what do you do? Because it's not that great. Because you wrote it, and you're dumb. That's the second person to this dumb author somewhere. <laughs> so I think he does well to he does well to not show us too much of her show. He describes all the things that sometimes happen on the show and stuff, but yeah, to not try to take us through the full hour. But I guess things can be enthralling. I don't know. Things can be enthralling. That's my amazing comment for the week. <laughs> So the radio show take up, takes up a bunch of time, and then we get a tour of the Enfield Marine grounds. We learn about all the different units, and then the tennis teens talk, and then we learn more about the Ennett House. And oh, which well, that's one just one of my complaint. He gets real judgy about tattoos. <laughs> he does. And he I, he's, he's he mostly very... puts it in the in the into the mouth of a character, but. He's real judgy about tattoos. <laughs> that they're that the only tattoos he allows any option for are either tattoos you got a long time ago and no longer regret, or tattoos that you got recently and you regret. But oh, regret is all. Like they're oh. all regretful. Is, is, yeah. You know. No, he didn't have very much about the character of the people who get tattoos specifically, right? And I have a bunch of tattoos, so I have a I've, I have a stake in this. But man, so oh, the other thing that I just like a throwaway observation was he throws shade on Brett Easton Ellis when talking oh. about Madame Psychosis in the show, hmm. and she's reading an especially depressing short story by him. Right. I did look up those books. Those are all real books, most from mostly from the late, like 1893, 1939, 1956, 1947. Um, but amazingly, real books, not just made up. Yeah, like once you start like seeing 
how many true references he's making. It does, I mean, it's impressive to be like, wow, like, there's a lot. <laughs> oh, this is a just page 208. Uh, Black people's tattoos are rare, and for reasons Elwell regards as faintly obvious, they tend to be just white outlines. That is completely nonsensical. That's wrong. Isn't black that people get yeah. Black people get plenty of tattoos. They most people do not get white tattoos. They get black tattoos, which show up just fine on black people. Um, which brings up another thing about this section. So much. Racism. Like, how many times does he use the word oriental to describe a person? Yeah. Like three? Yeah. At least. Uh, and then there's, I mean, and there's racism that he puts in the mouths of characters, but yeah. With the DMZ. Sorry, I'm still trying to trudge through <laughs> what we actually so mean. And then, and then we meet Joel Van Dyne, who's going to a party, and... Oh, and then speaking of, of language, it's really interesting when Joel Van Dyne is inter introduced, and maybe this is just more relevant now, but for, uh, for a second I wasn't sure whether Joel Van Dyne is introduced by name, which sounds like a woman's name, uh, but then in her... So here, I'll read this. One of the saddest times Joel Van Dyne ever feels anywhere is that invisible pivot where a party ends, even a bad party, that moment of unspoken accord when everyone starts collecting his lighter and date jacket or gray coat, his one last beer hanging from the plastic rinds, five rings, says perfunctory things to the hostess. Da, da, da. For the rest of the paragraph, this is, this is in Joel's mind, mm -hmm. but it's using he. So I was like, oh, is Joel a he? But then the next sentence describing Joel is Joel at the end of her rope and preparing to hang from it. So I figured, oh, no, wait, Joel is a woman. But Joel, in her mind, thinks about sort of a, a gender neutral situation as men as, with he. It, it just struck out to me. Uh, we, we think a lot. I think a lot about gender neutral language these days. And I think we collectively as a society do party though right right she's but that that in her mind she's she's imagining that or well either she either she's using he as a gender neutral language or in her mind she's thinking about the way parties end from a male perspective does that make sense no it does i just was trying to think what i thought about that because i noticed that too i think i just thought that she was noticing the men because she was like lonely or something Okay. Maybe I didn't get that. Maybe I'm ready to be mad at DFW. <laughs> um, we finally get a we get a we get a list of the the order of subsidized time years. That was helpful. Yeah. So you could actually start to put those in order. We still don't know when subsidized time starts. We don't know what the last BS year is before subsidized time. But to know when this is, we get. We get the resume of the of what, steeply, which is fine. Um, oh, well, I did learn that the the stats underneath her resume, like the weight and the height and the age. She, okay. She's like six four and two hundred pounds. Oh, okay. Which is kind of important to get a character description. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, because we've—I mean, we've—we've we've been told that this is steeply the, the spy in drag, right? His wife. 
No, I think this is steeply in drag. Okay. I think this is this is this is the spy who was talking oh. to the man in the wheelchair, yeah, totally and who we had all those com- we had all those uh, you know the comedic in giant air quotes sections about how. But doesn't it say his wife? No, this is it's putative, it putative curriculum vitae of Helen P. Steeply, as in the supposed resume. Oh. Of Helen Steeply, which is Steeply the Spy's drag identity. <laughs> that. All right. I mean, I keep saying drag. I guess it's disguise, but right, right, yeah. We we were introduced to Steeply on the hilltop with the the Quebecois wheelchair assassin, and then we got one article from like somewhere in here from Steeply, right. and then. Oh, this, and then Joel tries to commit suicide and sort of ends on a cliffhanger that we don't know. But then here, so here's a, um, where's this page 241? And then just in our reading, we have a weird little nub that is just, I think, because of where we cut off of just sort of a description of Enfield after that very dramatic, that's like the very dramatic suicide attempt is probably the right place to right. to end this week on. But then I read, you know, three more pages about Enfield, Massachusetts. But in that, so the this little section on page 240, that's just a description of Enfield, Massachusetts, is in, you know, sort of omniscient narrator voice, just describing Enfield. But then on page 241, there's a sentence that says, To I think it must be the Southwest. ETA overlooks the steely gray tangle of Sunstrand's transformers. Who's that I? Is this being, is this section that is so dry and omniscient narrator actually one of our characters telling us this? Who's the I? To I think it must be the Southwest. We've been just told all sorts of like definitive, you know, in an omniscient narrator, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. To I think the Southwest. Don't you know? <laughs> you're the omniscient narrator, aren't you? Who are you if you're not the omniscient narrator? That was a discovery. And there was also a, this week, a footnote, an end note. I apologize. I'm going to keep doing that. That, like, the end notes, again, the end notes as well, you, yeah, so the, the end notes, one would think the end notes are the omniscient narrator, right? They're, they're factual. They're, they're, um, I wouldn't think that you wouldn't think that okay. because endnote endnote 64 starts not a hundred percent clear on this, but the thrust is that T the T and Q are the two basic courses of study leading historically to the like 18th century equivalent of a high school diploma and a BA until oh, now the like <laughs> not a hundred percent clear on this. Who can you find out? Well, you, I mean, if this is David Foster Wallace, you wrote the book. Are you not sure? But aren't these? Or are we going to learn that end notes all like? I always pictured it as like one of the characters telling us the end notes. Really? Yeah. All of them? Just, <laughs> just, just that it was like in the tone of the novel. It wasn't different. It Do wasn't you... like meant to be trusted okay well yeah i mean i guess i until then i had been trusting the end notes for no good reason but now i don't i don't anymore <laughs> i don't trust anything here okay i was we're on end notes and now i'm trying to find I, the one that i was like this is the one that i want to bring up awesome but uh, i talked a lot 
I think I know the end now. Um, yeah, you had a lot you needed to get off your chest. Thank you. Thank you for letting me do so. Oh, man. Sorry. I am not prepared. I... Do you know what it's about? Yes. It's when they're in uh, the headmaster's house. No, I know it's in here. You know what? I can't quote what page or what the end note is, but I can tell you what it was. It was they're having Hal and Mario are having dinner with their mother. And it says at H M H. Yes. And then there's a end note. And then you go to the end note and it says, that's how they refer to the headmaster's house. Thanks. Like, why couldn't you just say that? Like, say headmaster's house, and then either start using the acronym. It just, it just seemed pointless. Just pointless. So it was like a thanks. Like it was like a, it was maybe like actually what an endnote usually actually is. <laughs> Where you just don't want to interrupt the flow. Where did I have? Oh, endnote sixty-seven. I wrote it down somewhere where it was a. Uh, like no one it was from we were in the section that was from the point of view of the the person on the um at the the drug recovery house and he's and we're sort of reviewing the other um units on the on the same property and there's one that's called the shed and that character from that character's sort of point of view he says he wasn't sure why it was called the shed and that's footnote 60 and note 67 and we suddenly it's one of the ones that surprised me. It's like a page and a half of why it's called The Shed from but completely was, di- different characters' point of view. It was interesting. It was actually interesting. It was a very... But it, it was it took me by surprise. I had been in that mode of like flipping back and forth. Flip, flip, flip. Flip. Headmaster's house. Okay, flip. Read, 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 read. Fl- end note. Flip. Two sentences. Flip, 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 flip. And then I was expecting The Shed. I was expecting just some sort of like... No one knows why it was called the shit. And instead, I got a story that explained exactly why it was called. But it, and it wasn't just an explanation. It was a story about how interacting with Boston police who explained why it was called the shed. So so actually, this actually feeds into what I was just talking about, whose point of view the endnotes are. The, the endnote is not a it's not from the point of view of the character on the um, at the drug recovery house, and it's not yeah. a dry, omniscient narrator who's a just a researcher, just supplying information like HMH is how you know this acronym means this. It's it's from the point of view of an omniscient narrator who has gone to a different time and place and is just telling us a story from a different time and place that happens to answer the question, but it's not in a dry researcher voice. I don't know. Something you said started to make sense to me and then it like <laughs> ran away. <laughs> I started to make sense and then I kept talking. <laughs> um, okay, so the voice in that story is not like an academic all-knowing. It's a, you're saying it was just someone from a different time and place telling us a story? Yes. Is that what you said? That is what I said. Okay. So not a different time and place in this story. I guess <laughs> what I'm saying, I guess it's a different, I guess the, all of what I said could be boiled down to, it's a different voice. It's a different kind of information in the end note. 
which is told with a different voice, that most of the end notes are very dry. They're very just, you know, could have been added by, you know, this is what it, this is what this acronym means. This is a here we have inserted the the filmography of um, James Incandenza. But then this is suddenly in a narrative voice telling us the kind of thing that could be in the main body of the book. So I guess I'm just saying all all I'm saying is that the 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 kind of content in the end notes changes, which is not that an extraordinary of a statement. It took me by surprise. <laughs> okay. I care too much about this book. No, but. I'm glad you have such careful readings of it. You're picking up on interesting stuff. One of the things I tried to do and what made it more enjoyable to read was because there was more things being more information being given and things happening and so like I tried to pick out like the important things that were happening like in the section in the Madame Psychosis part what's her name Joe Joelle Joelle mm -hmm. we learned that she slept with Oren that he himself Jim filmed her face without the veil yes and that he left her a ton of money yes. when he died. That was interesting. And I think we're, I mean, it's piecing it together. It sounds like he was filming her as part of the entertainment. The last, the yeah. last thing he made that she's in it because she, he filmed a whole bunch of stuff and she never got to see it. That was another thing. His description of her veil, he kept calling it a linen veil. Mm -hmm. Does he just mean like cloth or does he mean actual linen? I don't know. I guess I didn't even look that up. Can you have a linen veil? Is linen a material you could use to make a veil? Because he says it a lot. He does. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, linen's a pretty heavy right, cloth. Right, what can linen also mean? No, linen is uh, specifically that fabric. But you can fold your linen. Doesn't that mean, like, your bed sheet? Well, linen is a... There are both... Okay, there are... <laughs> <laughs> there are your linens, like you have a linen closet, right? Right, and the, I think linens as a collective noun refers to all of your household cloth, clothes, cloths, not clothes, but cloths like tablecloths, napkins, towels, sheets. <laughs> Those are the linens, but linen as a material is a specific it's fabric a that is made out of a particular. It's made out of flax, which is a plant. How do you know that? I don't really know that. I don't know. I just know that. So, okay. And it is a pretty... I mean, you use it for tablecloths. It's a pretty heavy material. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was like, if it was linen, you couldn't see through it. So, that's just an annoying little eye tick mm. detail. So, anyway, yeah. Who was talking who was like the boy, the Cub Scout leader with like a speech impediment or a lisp oh so th yeah I, that was um lightly annoying <laughs> was th that is where when it and partly the page break i think makes it a little annoying is in the chapter where we learn about madame psychosis radio show opens with a paragraph that is in quotes it's, they're very small quotes i mean not you know at least in this edition that the, the the quotation mark I guess it's the quotation marks they use everywhere but it just I didn't notice them at first so 
you know, it's a big fat paragraph that's in a a, a very a very odd voice, um, sort of a, a scoutmaster with a lisp or something. And then that paragraph ends, and then it tells us that is the radio show that comes before Madame Psychosis's radio show, and that it. How it, did I miss that? It, well, because partly because of where the, I had to like go back and read it because I was like, <laughs> wait, what? What's going on? And then have we switched? Um, there's a yeah. It says. Uh, the, the whole thing is in this voice that's like, open me another one of those, boy, and I'll tell you the highlight of that season of my season tickets was when I got to see the incredible son of a bitch set his foist record in the flesh, blah, 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 blah. And then the next paragraph says, the radio show right before Madame Psychosis's midnight show on MIT's semi-underground WYYY is those were the legends that formerly were one of those cruel tech collegiate formats where any U.S. student who wants to can dart over from the super collider lab or the or whatever and read on air some parodic thing where he'd pretend to be his own dad apothesizing some sort of thick-necked historic athletic figure the dad had admired. So it's a radio show. <laughs> and I actually I read did that. Like I read all of that and yet somehow Well, it's very complicated that it's a radio show where college students the, the format is it's a different college student every episode, but what they have to do is write a person write a write a piece as though it were their father imitating an athlete that the father admires. And the the only reason I didn't like throw up my hands and be like, "What?" is because I've been involved in like public radio, and you know what? There are weirder formats. <laughs> what I, you know, what I I thought it was just another like David Foster Wallace like smushing a bunch of information together and. I was like, oh, yep, I don't know who's talking. So keep reading. So yeah. I've become accustomed to nothing making sense. Hmm. So. so when things don't make sense, you're just like, oh, yeah. On the page, we happen to be uh, where Madame Psychosis is doing her sound check. She says, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao, she says. Uh, and Tao is capitalized D-O-W. And I, I can't decide whether that's a really good joke or really annoying because we only know the joke because it's written down. So it's a it's a pun on the Tao, T-A-O, as in the philosophical concept, the Chinese philosophical concept of the Tao. And so that's a statement you can say, that's, a, that's from the Tao Te Ching, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. But she's put D-O-W, which is like the Tao Jones Industrial Index, yeah. So it's a joke, but it's only a joke to her in her head because the two words sound the same. So the engineer would he probably hear it as the actual sentence from the I Ching. Oh. <laughs> That's some tight reading there. Yeah. I, I, under, I underlined it and I was like, either brilliant or terrible. <laughs> like, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a joke for us, I guess, but I don't know. Between us and who? Yeah. <laughs> I guess I can't even get the energy up tonight to get really mad. Well, it wasn't totally unpleasant to read. So I actually went through and kind of did the outline myself and was like, there were fewer 
sections that were totally useless, you know, where you're like, oh, that one's useless. There were like four out of ten or something. Right. No, that was that was my that's my rose for the week was that the first I read this in two sessions that I used the infinite summer two sessions. Well, I mean, they, were, they took a little while, but just, you read what, 50 pages? Yeah, I cannot read him more than 10 pages. Well, and then I have to stop. I mean, I kind of read 10 pages and then I check in on the cats and then I <laughs> read another 10 pages and I get a glass of water. And but two evenings. Of, of trying to power through. So the first one, I don't know why I keep giving people page numbers. So it's that first section, 168 <laughs> to 210. I was that, so I read that, that 50 pages or whatever it is. And I was like, oh, this has turned into like a regular novel. He's like describing things yeah. and action is happening. And he's describing <laughs> the action. And uh, oh, I, I, I put a star by this. In that very the very on page one sixty nine, that very first description of Michael Pemulus, go, you know, going out. There, there's an actual description of the day, and it's lovely. The day is autumnal and mild. The east breeze, smelling of urban commerce and the vague suede smell of new fallen leaves. The sky is pilot light blue. Sunlight reflects complexly off the smoked glass sides of tall centers of commerce all around Park Street downtown. I was like, that's a lovely descriptive sentence that tells me what's going on with a little little flourish there, pilot light blue. That's a very you know, I was like, Oh, we've we've settled in. We're we're gonna we're gonna get into just some like regular old stuff happening novel. I mean it's about tennis kids taking drugs, but whatever. <laughs> and then that second section <laughs> Like, uh, we're back on our bullshit. Like, uh, we got, we got these weird end notes and got, he's not telling us whether people are wearing veils or not. And, and, and then, and then I have to admit, you know, and then I guess obvious, I mean, we know that David Foster Wallace committed suicide. So a big long section about somebody planning to commit suicide you know, has a little more impact. And it was a pretty intense section anyway. And then with that piece of information tucked into the back of my head. Yeah. That was a pretty... Do we? Do you think... It was kind of a cliffhanger there. Do you... Well, I don't know if it's... it's a, I don't even know whether it's contained within this, so maybe it's just a prediction. Do you think she successfully committed suicide? No. No. Okay. You he doesn't that? seem like the type of author to... Leave a character? Leave someone that he could squeeze though we play with time so much we could we could now have i mean james in cadenza committed suicide and is dead and we've had plenty of scenes with him because right. we have flashbacks she could just be all i mean we know there's the whole period where she was working with jim and then the period before that whether she was with Oren. we'll probably find out about it in that order all time <laughs> jumbled. jumbled up uh i guess I guess I kind of started to like her. Oh. So. So you hope she comes back. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I want to. I want to find out more about her. I'm sure we will because we because she's in a, in this in her clogs in her clogs, where everybody else is wearing high heels. I just I can identify with you like clogs clog wearer. I love some clogs so. You know. There was a 
<laughs> there's a crossword puzzle uh, clue the other day that was like synonym synonym of clog, and I of course spent a long time like thinking of like oh what else can you how else can you describe something being stuck in a drain? And of course it was like <laughs> sandal or something, you know. That's how they get you on those crosswords. <laughs> well, yeah, gotta look at it from every angle. Is this a noun or a verb? You know what other part that I enjoyed? Uh, there's a weird section about when you first come to the rehab center and at house, someone's like giving you advice on like things you didn't know about what it would be like. And there was like a surprising a lot amount of like useful and humorous advice that I liked. That's yeah, it there was a lot when you say useful, you mean to the to the person coming into the to the person coming in, but also like general life advice. Just like that's that's not a bad thing, you know. Yeah, that section was. I like that section. I did notice there's also a lot of useful information for us. He drops in some explanations of things that had been in his classic now now classic style of like things that he had introduced but not explained. Oh yeah. I'll find an example. What page is that on? 204. 204. All right, I'm having trouble finding it. <laughs> what, what, what are you looking for? Well, I just remember learning in there some... Well, now I can't find it, but about... Oh, Tiny? Well, we learned about, a lot about Tiny. Who's a lawyer. Who's a lawyer. Tiny. Oh, Tiny is the other one where I was like, I know we know Tiny. I'm not going to look up where I know Tiny from. We just saw... We just got the section of time where he was in a cab going to Ennett House. Hmm. And I don't know if we even heard his name. All right. Well, oh, okay. This is a, this is the tiniest example, but this is the section in this section. We learn that, um, that to cheese means to rat on. Yeah. And in one of the far earlier sections, they had used cheese yeah. You could sort of get it from the context in that earlier section of the, I think it was in the, one of the Yours Truly sections. Yeah. Or the only Yours Truly section we've had so far. Cheese was used a lot. You could maybe sort of figure it out from context. But in this section, it explicitly says to you, the term cheese is used in the Boston area to mean to rat on. And there's another really awful description of Asian people on a tattoo I don't know. It just seems, like, completely avoidable. It doesn't add color to, like, this character. Like, why? Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so, more on uh, I uh, on tattoos, but this is about piercing. He's just wrong. That, that nose, tongue, lip, and eyelid rings rarely require actual penetrative piercing. This is because of the wide variety of clip-on rings available. That nipple rings do require piercing, and that clitoris and glands rings are not things anyone thinks you really want to know the facts about. So all that's wrong. <laughs> you get the people get those things actually pierced. They did back in 1995 because I worked with <laughs> piercers back in 1995. So David Foster Wallace should have known this. This is not something that's evolved. And then also in the context of this, like absolutely, people who get piercings on their private parts 
want to tell you about it. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. That, that, that then is a, I'm also being, you know, a little too, I'm generalizing. But, like, I'm just feeling real, real sense of judgment. <laughs> yes. coming from DFW here. Anything else in your notes? No. Thanks for the end note. Thank you for the end note. Oh, you're welcome. Did you have any words? I have. I wrote down a bunch of words and then never looked them up. Mm. Oh, I learned. Okay, this isn't even like a ten dollar word. It was. It was satisfying to look up a word and then be like, "Oh, I didn't know that." Where, like, you look up a word and you're like, "Oh, it's another word for burst forth," or you know, like, mm -hmm. sorry, and um, they were describing a house and they call it the mansard roof, mm -hmm. the mansard roof, and I didn't know what that was. Do you know what that is? That's, that's in the category of, I recognize that as a technical term for a kind of roof, and if you asked me to describe what kind of roof a mansard roof is, I would be unable to do so. Well, if you look at a photo of it, you're like, oh yeah, I know oh. what that is. I'll look it up then. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, that kind. With the thing that goes like that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think it also was satisfying to me because he goes into so much detail about everything. And he also tries to describe things. And I can't picture what he's trying to describe. He very often, he'll go into great detail. And I'm like, I just can't see it in my head. So to have a description actually provide me with something that I can picture was delightful. That's awesome. My word of the week is baffle gab. That's a real word. It is a real word that means nonsense. And I, I totally got it from the context, but I looked it up just to see if it was a made up word. And it's what? an archaic word that means nonsense. What section? That was on page 172. Um, this is the context. Oh, that's a good word. See, that's a good word. A fun word. Anything else? No. I'm going to skip over. So it, was a, it wasn't a terrible week. No. It was a, it was a pretty good week. And then it was a little less of a good week. But it wasn't terrible. Mm -mm. And we're a quarter of the way through. I'm not feeling as heavy about having to read the next part. Well, that's good. But um, I did I did see that there's a, a note that's like five pages long. Oh, no. <laughs> and the, the type of the endnotes is smaller. Is a f smaller. So five endnote pages is probably like seven regular pages. So just prepare yourself. <laughs> Why'd you do that to me? You, want, you don't want to be surprised. I suppose so. Right? Yeah. Get mentally prepared. All right. All right. All right. So we'll see you next week. For next week, we will be reading... All our listeners. Up to page 315. So that's very exciting. And we'll be almost a third of the way through the book then. Uh, if you stumbled across this somewhere, uh, you can find it on iTunes as Howling Fan Pod to subscribe to all the episodes. If you want to go see it on a web page, that is terriblephotosofpeopleilove.com. You can email us at podcast at terriblephotosofpeopleilove.com. You should visit the site of Noah Genix, N-O-A-H-G-I-N-E-X.com, because he wrote our theme music. Thanks, as always, to Dave Stinton for the title of the episode. The episode? Title of the podcast. I think that's everything we need to say. Yep. You don't want to publicize anything. Nope. I'm at Fuzzy on Twitter. Don't at me.